Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. Well, if you're an avid gardener or somebody that really takes a great deal of pride on your lawn and landscape, etc. Even if you're somebody out in the countryside that's got an awful lot of leaves, a lot of cleanup going on around our homes and farmsteads these days. And for many folks, they put it all in a pile. Maybe you think about burning it. Others are turning towards composting as a way to try to maintain some of that plant integrity, but not everything makes good composting. Joining us today, Mindy Habaker. She is the Natural Resources Community Development Educator at the Dane County Extension Office, and she is one of my turn my people that I turn to when it comes to things like composting. Let's start on the very outside, Mindy, looking at, and that is how popular has composting or how many more questions are you getting from people about properly composting today versus when you started your career in extension? Oh, my goodness. It is something that's really growing out there across the state. Uh, one of the things that we do is run a master composter program so that others can train composters uh, because there's that much interest. And we're getting people now coming to our Dane County office um, from all around the state to learn how to compost. So there's a lot of interest, Pam. We were talking about how uh, throwing stuff on a pile does not composting make. What's the really good definition or how do I have to rethink my approach to what good composting really is, Mindy? Well, it is it is a it is a designed decay of organic matter uh, in that you have proper moisture, proper aeration, and a balanced, good balanced diet of what goes into that pile. So you need to think about all three things, and a lot of what people are dealing with now is what should go in the pile. Right. And we've got, like I said, after the weather that we've had, a lot of people putting their garden to bed. Uh, They don't want to necessarily leave all that organic plant matter on top of the soil. So let's start there. Take me to the garden, Mindy, and tell me the do's and don'ts of putting my garden to sleep in benefit of my compost. Well, uh, one thing you can do is you can pull out your plants. If you do have vines, even things like tomatoes, mine grew quite a bit, you need to cut them up. So vines and tomato plants, anything that is longer than about a foot long should be trimmed because in the end, you're going to have to turn your pile and you don't want your pitchfork or garden fork to get all caught up. So what can go in there are... um, vegetables that you haven't eaten, your plants can go in there, grass clippings can go in there, uh, your food waste scraps from your kitchen as you're cooking um, can go in there, and also you may want to stockpile leaves because the leaves are falling this time of the year because generally what you want are, are uh, three parts of brown materials, which could be like straw or leaves to one part green material, which would be things like uh, the food scraps, grass clippings, or old vegetables uh, that are coming out of the garden. 
Now, how carried away do we want to get uh, with things like leaves? or And how do you, are we just eyeballing it when it comes to the three parts versus one parts, Mindy? I mean, I know that we have to be respectful of the biological science there. And I get, I just can see my husband taking just armfuls or rakefuls of leaves and putting them on top of the pile. Right. So you can, if you're working on a pile, you want to try to make it three feet by three feet by three feet. And if you have more material, then elongate your three feet by three feet and make a windrow of it. But what you can do is get down to the bare soil, have it close to where you're going to be using the material, but not in your garden, and then start layering it. Uh, you can start out with some brown material, some leaves, uh, and that can also be the vining materials that you chop up first. And then put a layer of your vegetable scraps and just just uh, layer it like that. And as you're layering it, wet it down. So this is a, a time of the year when people have a lot of material they can put on. All the leaves are falling. The, there's lots of things to put in there. And as far as the weeds go, you can put your weeds in uh, there too. But if you have any invasive weeds or very aggressive weeds, I would not put them in uh, because your pile has to get at least 140 degrees to kill weed seeds. So any severely diseased plants, if you had, um, say, something that decimated your tomatoes, uh, I would not put those tomato leaves in. I'd move them off and, and, and put them someplace else. Um, but I would not put them in your compost pile. Same reason, your diseases also need at least 140 degrees. So to get that kind of warmth, you need uh, a pile that's at least three feet by three feet by three feet so that your inner core warms up. We've had, uh, we're supposed to be down into the 30s for highs all next week and your core needs to be a certain volume for the inner part to warm up. What can I do? I mean, you're right. We're battling Mother Nature to a certain extent. Are there any additional additives, elements, minerals that I can layer in with that compost to not only benefit the end product, uh, Mindy, but maybe also help with that internal combustion process? <laughs> well, Pam, probably the best thing you can do is, is have the garden hose close by and wet it down so it's about as damp as a wrung-out sponge. And every once in a while, you can sprinkle some soil in there because the main um, compounds that break down the material are bacteria and fungi. And that is found in the soil itself. It's also found on the edges of your leaves and things like that. So sprinkling your leaves in there, sprinkling some soil in periodically, but making sure that your pile is wet enough is probably the best thing you can do. And then getting it up to the uh, proper size. So one last thing I'd suggest is uh, in some places, like if you are in a city, you may have to compost in a bin. If you're out in the countryside, you probably don't. But uh, check your local ordinance to see if you need a bin or not. Fine. Good point. Minda Hobaker along with us. She is the Natural Resource Community Development Educator for Dane County Extension. Now, you mentioned also about food scraps, Mindy, and in my mind that makes me nervous because food scraps have a tendency to attract 
critters at this time of the year and into early winter, what exactly do I need to use as my benchmark for food scraps? Well, uh, vegetables can go in there, uh, fruits can go in there, coffee grounds, eggshells, pretty much anything but dairy, no dairy products and no fats and no meats. So it's the meats, the fats, and dairy that attract critters. The um, and again, I keep it away from uh, your garden or uh, your house. I'd have it your compost pile located where um, you can easily access it. But um, you know, raccoons and other things are attracted to the the meat and the fat. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to keep the raccoons, the skunks, uh, and other critters out. Um, corner on the cob, if it still has butter on some of it, you know, that I noticed a piece of corn on the cob was pulled out of my compost pile, and I think I left some kernels on there with some butter, and it attracted something to <laughs> get the last little bits off. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> now, you know, we talk about getting that internal temperature up to at least 140 degrees. Uh, when am I going to turn this? Uh, tell me a little bit more, Mindy, about how I manage it once I have gotten the three by three by three uh, piles, so to speak, put together. Yeah, so once you have it together and at the proper moisture, then let it sit for a while, uh, about three to four weeks, and you will notice it decreasing in size. If you had, uh, and they do make compost thermometers with a long probe that you can stick in there to see if it's actually getting up to 140 degrees, your pile is going to decrease in size from uh, one-third, dropping down one-third of its size to one-half of its size. Once it drops down in volume, that is the time that you want to use a pitchfork or a garden fork, pull it out, and uh, the core will be composted, but the outer rind of your pile will not be composted. So you pull it out of that pile and uh, you put what was in the rind in the center and cover it with composted material. Now, because it's already decreased in volume, you may want to add, and this is where I'd stockpile some leaves beside it because leaves, uh, you will probably either need additional browns uh, to to, uh, bulk up your pile so it has enough oxygen and also so you're keeping that three-to-one ratio. Another thing you can do is get a bale of straw beside it. Hay is high in nitrogen, and that's what the green materials are high in. Your your brown materials are high in carbon. They tend to be drier and help aerate the pile and be a little bulkier and slower to decay. So they they probably have more cellulose in them. Um, so straw would be one, leaves would be one, and that will help bulk up your pile and also insulate it so that all winter long you can be adding your food scraps to your pile and then add some leaves on top of it. Now this is definitely a topic that's catching more and more attention as more and more are sheltered at home and thinking about those things. Mindy Habaker trains master composters across the state. Mindy, I know you've got different... uh, educational opportunities for people to tap into. How do you suggest that if this is something they're very curious about, want to get better at or make a part of their family's game plan, how can they find your educational sources to get it, help them along? 
Well, if they go to the Dane County UW Extension website, there is an upcoming webinar on Monday evening, uh, November the 9th, uh, from 6.30 to 8.30 on composting that I'm going to be providing. So that is one way. And every other year, we run a master composter program. And also, if you check your community events, especially in the spring, there are usually uh, composting uh, educational programs around. And if you want an educator on composting, feel free to contact the Dane County Extension Office. And we have about 100 master composters in the area. And we can see if someone is interested in coming out to speak to you at your community center or library and help educate uh, the local population on composting. Outstanding. Excellent way to fine-tune your composting skills. Uh, Again, it's a source of uh, nutrition for your lawn and garden that you didn't even necessarily realize was there. Mindy Hompaker, Natural Resources Community Development Educator at the Dane County Extension Office, putting the finer points to it for you. And again, as she said, go to the Dane County Extension website if you'd like to find out more on getting connected with those educational experiences. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke.